Hey y'all, welcome back to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, and I'm your host. Today we're chatting with Wendy from Strength for Spouses. Um, We're talking all about military spouses and the things they endure, as well as the awesome things about military life and the not-so-awesome things about military life. So I really hope you enjoyed this conversation, and you know what I need you to do right now? That's right. Start listening. Welcome back to Chats from the Blog Cabin. Um, As you know, it's Women Appreciation, Women's History Month, Women Empowerment Month for me. And so every single solitary day, uh, I'm going live with a new person or a new podcast episode. So today, before we get started, Wendy, and talking about you, I picked out a quote to kind of embody what this whole one's going to be about. And I think this I picked out the great quote. It's from Coretta Scott King. And it says, women, if the soul of the nation is to be saved... I believe you must become its soul. Don't you think that's a, that has to do with what we're going to be talking about today? Oh, yes. That was a good one. It's spot on. Yeah. So, Wendy, before we get into strength for spouses, let's talk about who Wendy is as a person. Just kind of let us get to know you a little bit. So give us a brief intro. All right. Well, I'm a military spouse. I'm a mom to a beautiful little rainbow baby boy who's now 19 months old. Um I'm also a beagle mom to an almost four-year-old beagle little girl, and I'm a blogger, freelance writer, brand ambassador, and instructional design assistant. Um, My professional background before blogging um, is in the public education sector, special education and adult education, and so my career in that area has spanned for about 10 years, and when I became a military spouse, unfortunately, I had to relocate with my husband and had to kind of leave my career behind and decide what am I going to do now? So I started writing and started a blog just to kind of put some thoughts out there. And um, my blog really started from, from a graduate school project is where it really originated. And then I just decided to um, change the website that I had created in graduate school and, and just morphed it into something else. And um these days, I spend a lot of time on my laptop, either writing or working, or I'm on the floor with my son. Uh, when we're not on the floor at home, we're um, usually at a playground somewhere. So I, I spend a lot of time on playgrounds, too. I could tell you where all the best ones are, where we <laughs> live, and all of that. So let's talk about strength for spouses. What is it all about? Because I love, I actually took down your little thing that you put in your signature line. It says strength for spouses believes you can build resilience by developing your inner strength 
through four pillars, fitness, faith, volunteerism, and finding purpose. And I love that whole embodiment. But why did you start Strength for Spouses? Um, I started it because I felt like my identity when I married my husband was struggling after I left my career. And so I, I knew I couldn't be the only military spouse feeling that way. And a lot of women before you uh, marry someone in the military, you think, I'm an independent woman. I can do this life. I've got this. And you really don't know until you're in the thick of it, living it, um, how, how many times you have to just pull the strength out that you didn't know you had in many different situations. And so that became the four pillars of strength kind of evolved with the blog because I felt like those four areas are really ways to build resilience in this lifestyle. Um, you know, fitness has a lot of positive health benefits physically and mentally. So military spouses, we carry a lot of weight. We carry a lot of stress a lot of times. So a good sweat session is a good cure for all of that. Um, so that's why fitness is part of it, because I believe it just has so many great benefits mentally, physically. Um, can't say it enough. And then faith, because we all need a good presence of God in our lives. And we need a good dose of faith to get through some really tough trying times. Um, so fitness, faith, volunteerism is also a big part of military life. When, when a lot of us leave our careers behind um, and we're trying to find something comparable to that, in the meantime, many of us get involved and advocate and volunteer. And that has some great benefits too. I believe not only in the good work that volunteering does, but it's a win-win for everybody. You get to meet people, you get to be involved in a cause that might be something very special to you. And it helps you kind of sink roots into your community when you volunteer and put out some good energy there. So volunteerism has some really great benefits. And I believe that when we face really tough situations or we face things that are kind of bringing us down, when you go help somebody else, it just disappears. You just feel good on the inside. And so that I believe builds resilience through some of those areas and then finding purpose. I believe our purpose changes, whether you're a military spouse or not, whatever season you are in your life, your purpose just looks different and it's okay to embrace that. It took me a long time to really digest that and understand it. Um, but my main purpose right now is, is being a mom to this beautiful little boy. And that has to take, priority to everything else and it's a season um, and again that was something hard too because I'm a career woman I'm ambitious and and sometimes it's hard to um to swallow that but finding your purpose and being okay with it and and just going with it is important so you said your purpose changes so let's talk about like when you first started out when you first were married and then you know you said you change it over time what was your original purpose my purpose, um, I'm an educator. Um, you're, I believe teachers, it's, it's just a passion and a love that we have when you teach students and work with them. And, and my purpose, and still is, is to, to educate and help students. I've watched education transform lives. I've worked with many different populations and situations. And um, one that stands out is when I worked with some incarcerated men. Um, through the Literacy Council in North Carolina and watching those men um, 
get their GEDs and how that could be life changing for them. I just, I strongly believe education transforms lives. And I love that that is my purpose and being a part of that journey for many people of different um, age groups. Cause I've worked middle and high school, special ed, community college, um, literacy council and different things like that. And currently I work for um, an online high school for at risk students who are at risk of dropping out. And so they catch them before they drop out help them graduate in their districts. So I do some behind the scenes work with that company now. So I'm not face to face or working online with students per se, but I'm still in the education realm, um, part of that purpose. So let's talk about that. Cause obviously you've got to navigate working behind the scenes with your son as well, because you're the primary caregiver. So how do you navigate that for a lot of stay at home moms that are, want, that are working from home? Wow. I don't even know some days. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you. Um, you have to be really good at time management when you have a baby to take care of or your children at home and you're trying to do you know, work and have some things going for yourself. It's time management. There are some nights I'm working until about 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, and recently we have found a place for our son two half days a week where he can get socialized with other children and it's going to give me a little bit of time back to kind of take care of myself to to exercise to work um all of those things so i know it's gonna be a major life improvement for all of us but really time management is key into doing all the things and and really um, trying to find that balance because again i remind myself every day that my biggest purpose right now is is making sure my boy is happy and healthy and developing and and getting you know some good education for me and also mm -hmm. attention and love <clears throat> so in a way you never stop being an educator you have educated you're still working in the education realm as far as you know getting a paid job but mm -hmm. with your blog you're educating people about you know what it's like to be a military spouse you know, and then also you're educating your son. So you never really left the profession. You're just not getting as paid as much. As and then it's just a different path. Yeah, just a different path. Mm -hmm. Now, let's talk about, you just mentioned time for self, you know, being able to put your son in daycare for what, two and a half days. Is that what you said a week? Yeah, two half days, just, yeah. just a half day. Um, I don't think we're ready for full days yet. <laughs> so what what was self-care mean to you? You know, having that peace of mind to know that he has someplace to go and that you can actually just <gasps> take a bubble bath if you want or whatever. What's yes. your self-care? How do you take care of yourself? Exercise is is my self-care. I believe it it makes me a better mom because it it's like a patience pill for me. <laughs> um, it just helps me be more patient, um, helps me handle stress. It helps me handle the times when my husband is working really long hours or, you know, sometimes he has 24 hour shifts or he doesn't come home at all. Um, so exercise really helps me a lot. And one thing I'm really looking forward to getting back to um, is just going for a run. That is really invigorating for me and not really something I've been able to do since I became a mom. We're slowly getting back into it with a jogging stroller, but um, I think having one day a week just to run by myself and clear my head is, is really going to be a great way to take care of myself. Which brought me up to another point that you were just talking about being able to run because you've not been able to do that. How have you fit exercise in before you put your son in? How have you fit it into your schedule? Like do you um, things that you can do with your baby? 
basically is what I'm asking. Yes. Well, before the pandemic, um, I was teaching some class, and before we moved to Oklahoma, which is where we're stationed now, I was teaching classes at Fort Bragg, and I was a um, aquatics instructor and taught aquacycling, which is like a spin class, but in the water. It's amazing. I taught that the entire time I was pregnant, and I believe that's what kept kept me very healthy. And that's kind of my um, time away during the week. Um, once a week after my son was born, when I was clear to go back to that, it was my time away and kind of my self-care. Um, and that was about every Saturday. So I would leave the house, go work out with a good, nice group of people and then come home and just be really rejuvenated from that. So after after the pandemic hit and everything shut down, I was also working out with some moms, doing some mom fitness classes too at Fort Bragg. And that was really fun to have other women with their babies and um, just being around other moms. But when the pandemic hit and it shut everything down, I start. I kept leading some classes online um, with a couple moms in the area, doing that just virtually and the greatest thing that I did, here's some adaptation, is I bought a bike and I bought an infant seat that mounts to the back of the bike. I bought my son a little helmet and we started biking around our neighborhood in North Carolina a couple times a day. And it was, he was quiet. He was looking around. He enjoyed the movement of it and just seeing things and and I enjoyed just that peace and quiet and I was also getting exercise at the same time so that was probably the best thing I've done exercise wise since the pandemic I because I was aqua cycling and cycling in the water I wasn't really biking like on land but I have just fallen in love with it I love it so much so let's talk about the stresses of being a military wife or being a military spouse and then add a baby onto it. So let's talk about your life before your baby and the life after your baby, because I know military life and being a military spouse, it's its own unique type of life. So let's talk about some of the things that military spouses face. Sure. Okay. Um, I think the biggest thing, which is a big struggle for me, pre and post baby is um, just the, the different kind of schedule that our spouses have. The training, um, sometimes being out of state for a month or two, um, which they call TDY, which is just training somewhere else for temporarily. And um, of course, deployments. My husband has was supposed to go on two since we've been together and they've both been canceled. Um, so lucky for me, we haven't had to go through a deployment yet. But, um, but many military spouses do and they have a baby without their spouse. And that I cannot imagine. Um, we were lucky. My husband was supposed to deploy before our baby was born, but he got to stay behind and, and be there. But I think the biggest challenge for us, although there are so many, I could go on and on, but really just that, just I'm a type A and not having like a set schedule of what my husband's hours are gonna be for this week ahead, um, that's just hard for me even right now. There's something I actually tweeted about it this morning, I think, like, <laughs> oh my goodness, like, where's the schedule? But, um, you know, that makes it hard when you're planning for family or like, are you gonna be home for dinner? What time will you be home? Or just knowing that you're gonna have a break 
to go shower, do whatever, mm -hmm. you know, when you have a baby and things like that. So I think that is really hard when you bring children into the mix. Um, before children, really the biggest issues were employment. Um, there are a lot of initiatives for military spouse employment, so it's gotten a lot better over the years, but there's still a big gap there um, in employment issues. And then just um, finding support for couples without children. Um, and that's still something I'm very passionate about is making sure that military couples struggling to have children like my spouse and I did or military couples who don't have children yet, making sure they feel welcome in the military community. That you just brought up the military community. I have seen so many of my friends that are military based and I eat, we never lived on a base. I'm a military brat, but we never lived on a base. So I never got the whole little thing because my dad was at toward the end of getting out of his career. But I've heard so many people talk about moving to different bases and how your the military community is a community within itself and they kind of embrace each other. So let's talk about the diversity of the military community. Oh, yes. Um, I think the way now Fort Bragg is huge <laughs> and there are a lot of resources in Fort Bragg, North Carolina, which is where my husband was stationed for almost 10 years of his career. And then we recently came to Oklahoma in at the end of 2020. But I think, you know, there are resources in the military community for for military spouses. You just have to um, take the initiative and call them travel to it, such as the USO. They usually have USOs at, at every um, military base and they have a wealth of knowledge about just anything with handling military life. And, and the diversity of this community is what is so beautiful about it, is um, just meeting different people who have been to different places, who are from different places than you. Um, I've been fortunate enough to meet some really amazing people. Um, both at Fort Bragg and, and so far here in Oklahoma. And I think that's what makes our community so special is, is that we're all different, but we're all similar because we're in this life together and, and the things that we are facing in this life are, are very similar. So there's a lot of blessings and curses that go along with being a military spouse. Like one, you get to see the world, but then again, it's also a curse because you don't, you have to go wherever the military sends you. And you have to go when they send you, not, oh, let me do six months out of the time. So let's talk about the transitions. Oh, yes. Um, I just went through that before we came to Oklahoma. I did not want to leave North Carolina. <laughs> I wanted to stay there and let my husband come do this couple years here by himself <laughs> because I just love my home state of NC. And, and I even tried to get my husband to see if he could be reassigned to South Carolina because it wouldn't be that far away from home. But, um, but the army said no on that, <laughs> <laughs> but we tried. Um, but I think, you know, not really having a say so where they send you can be hard sometimes on families. And, you know, when you have children or you have children with special needs, and you move to another location that might be a remote location compared to others and having to get all those things set back up for your family is, is really tough. Um, you know, just moving in general and during the pandemic has been tough because it's hard to build back your support system during this COVID era because people getting together to meet out in public is very limited. Um, 
you know, everybody's still a little bit scared and everything. So I think that is its own challenge for military families right now in this current time is really building those support systems back up that they have before can be really tough. Um, so let's talk about, you talked about remote locations. What, what exactly are for people that aren't in the military? They don't know. Everybody thinks, I know a lot of people think every base is the same, but every mm -hmm. base is not the same. There's different things that they offer. So let's talk about Fort Bragg as opposed to a remote location. Um, well, every, every military base has its strengths and has its weaknesses. Um, you know, again, Fort Bragg is huge. So there are a lot of resources there. A lot of nonprofit organizations stop by um, Fort Bragg and see because they know they can help a lot of military families in one stop there. Um, sometimes when you get to smaller bases, they may not have as many resources there. Um, so you may really struggle to find those or, you know, they may not have many choices for shopping, for groceries, for physicians and things like that. I think there might be one doctor in the town that we're living in and they don't even have a pediatrician in this town. Mm -hmm. So we have to travel about 25 minutes to go to get my son to the doctor and things like that. So, you know, every base is different. Again, there are strengths and weaknesses with it being a big base or a small base or, or whatever. And depending on where that base is located and what kind of metropolitan areas are nearby can also be a challenge, just trying to find the resources that your family might need. And you talked about also about um, traveling and going to different places. Now, I know, talk about relocating, because that's got to be hard when you're at one base. Let's say you're at Fort Bragg, and now you've moved to Oklahoma. Trying to find places to stay, you have to basically kind of scope out online, right, if you're not going to live on base. So let's talk about that whole other headache, because that's another headache a lot of people don't think about. Well, and right now it's a seller's market in real estate and, you know, houses are just flying off the market all across the United States right now. And um, there's actually a housing shortage, even even at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, people are are just grabbing up rentals and buying houses because they want to secure a place to live. We were kind of in the same situation before we came to Oklahoma. I was feverishly looking for a place because everybody's threshold is different. So let me say that some people can live in a hotel with their dogs, with their children for months on end until they find a home. And that threshold is just not for me. I can't handle <laughs> it <laughs> in a one room like that. I just couldn't. So we really struggled and looked um, feverishly to find a place to live. And we ended up getting into a rental situation that wasn't really a good situation. Um, there were a lot of things that were not right in the home that we were in. There were a lot of unsafe conditions. So I really had to um, bring my bring my um, voice <laughs> to that situation and get us out of that rental. And then the military will not move you again if that happens. You have to move yourselves. Mm -hmm. So my husband's grandparents came up and helped us move a couple streets down to another rental, which was a much better fit for our family. And it was safe and well taken care of and everything. But that's a struggle too, is making sure you're having to do things virtually. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to see issues virtually that might be hidden in, in a house. And that can be scary for your family because it may not be safe. And um, 
you know, that's something that military families are struggling with now is trying to secure a place to live before they get here. Because some people like me, they just don't want to live in a hotel for three or four months with children and pets and things like that. And that's another thing, too. I know I had a lot of friends that moved through the military that they schedule sometimes the movers to come two or three, sometimes a month before you're even supposed to leave. So you, you've got to look for either a place to stay or keep back household goods or stuff like that. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that I don't, I don't know if that really happened to us, but I know that does happen to families when they're in a rental situation and you're trying to coordinate the movers to come pack up your house and then coordinate, getting the house all clean, checking out of the house and things like that, which we may be doing once when we leave this base, our next relocation. But before in North Carolina, we owned our house. So we were we were OK. We just didn't have any furniture for a few weeks and living on, um, you know, blow up mattresses and things like that. But when you're in a rental situation and you have to give a vacating notice and things like that, it can get a little tricky. I think really the biggest thing in military life is coordination. You gotta be good at juggling all these moving parts and it gets really stressful sometimes having to do that. But again, it's a skill that if you don't have, you learn in this life how to um, coordinate all these moving parts for yourself and your family. Now, when you first married your husband, did you know what you were getting into as far as military life? Or were your eyes like, or you thought you knew, but then you're like, your eyes like was really wide open because of some situations? I don't ever think we truly know what we're getting in ourselves into. Again, until you're in the thick of this life, living it, then, then you truly will understand it. Um, I always thought that again, that I was an independent, very strong woman that I can handle military life with ease because I can be, I can stand on my two feet and be by myself when I need to. Mm -hmm. uh, but boy, was I wrong. <laughs> um, there have been a lot of times where um, I have just felt just the ground coming out from underneath me kind of thing. Like there's just so much that is not in our control. And I guess that's what makes me feel um, it fills me with anxiety a lot of times and stress and stuff like that when there's so much out of my control that I can't be in charge of. And, and I always looked at military life like um, there's going to be structure and schedule and, you know, that speaks my language. That is me all day long. But it's very far from that. <laughs> and that has been my biggest struggle adjusting. And it still is. I have relaxed a lot on my type A tendencies. But again, it's really hard um, having so much that is out of your control as a military spouse. I can't I can't even imagine not being like you said, you owned your home in North Carolina. So you had to go through the process of if you decided not to sell it or you decide to sell it or if you decide to rent out, go through that process. And then heaven forbid, if you had to go overseas and you have your dog, you said, your four-year-old little girl, you mm -hmm. know, what are you going to do with her? Because they have the quarantine. Are you going to give her up? Are you going to put her in quarantine for six months? That whole type of situation as well. Yeah, it's, it's, this life is different. And with every move, and with every base that you go to, I think you learn so much and that builds strength again for your next move or for the next situation. And that's why on on my blog and 
you know, I always encourage other people to be real, be authentic and share your experience because there are other people that want to learn from that. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to hear that, oh, it's great. Everything's going to be just fine. They want to hear the real, the struggles and how you got through it so that they can get through it too. Yeah, because I've heard horror stories of like people that are planning on getting married and they set the wedding day and then the military is like, oh, nope, you're going somewhere else or you're being deployed. And they were like, hurry up, quick weddings. And then later on they had the, the big wedding. So that did, did anything like that ever happen? Any type of thing like that happen with you? No, but my husband has almost missed a couple um, things. He almost missed his 30th birthday party. <laughs> and we had a lot of people at our house waiting. This is definitely pre-COVID and everything, but we had a lot of people at our house. He wanted to have like an 80s themed party. So we had an 80s themed party and we were all waiting and he was still working and he didn't even know if he was going to make it. And I was like, what? I got all these people. I got birthday cake. What? And so eventually he ended up getting home that night, maybe like right when the party started, I guess. Just flew into the bedroom in the shower, came out in a flash in his 80s outfit and was was ready to celebrate. <laughs> so I think really in this life, there is a lot of adaptability, a lot of it from the service member and for, for us, the military spouses and the children. We are constantly being pushed to our limits with adaptability. But again, we don't have a choice. Things yeah. are out of our control and we just have to roll with it and figure out plan A. And if plan A don't work, plan B, and if plan B don't work, plan C, um, all those different things. So what would you, cause I've heard so many people say, I don't feel sorry for these people that are military wives because they chose this life. You guys didn't choose this life. You didn't choose who you fall in love with. So what right. do you say to those naysayers that say something like that? Well, I'll, we all, all military spouses are going to say they chose love. They chose love. You know, military life just happens to be a part of, of what they fell in love with with their person. And many of us military spouses have never been a part of military life. This is all very new to us. And, um, you know, a lot of people think we have this glamorous life. Um, you know, the service member pays for everything. So I get to sit back here and do whatever I want. It's not the case. There are a lot of working military spouses. There are a lot of military spouses in school trying to do something for themselves. Um, again, it's the stereotypes out there are just so far-fetched from what this life truly is. And for people who say, well, you chose the life. We chose the person. Mm -hmm. We chose the person. And they just so happen to be a service member. So then, you know, here we are. <laughs> Do you think if, well, you obviously knew your husband was a service member, but if he, knowing now, would you still choose him all over again? Oh, I love that. Yeah. There is not a man on this planet as fabulous as my husband. He is it. just so funny. You know, I always say, instead of he had me at hello, he had me at ha ha because he would just made me laugh. He was so funny and he still is. He finds the humor in the most serious situation sometimes. And I would choose him over and over again. Um, you know, he is, he is my partner. He is my, my strength. And I don't know, I just couldn't do, I couldn't do life. And I certainly couldn't be a mom without him being my, 
my other sidekick in this parenting gig and, you know, doing it together as a team is it's just so much fun. So let's talk about the parenting gig, because that's another thing that a lot of military spouses, because sometimes they have to be the single parent when they're not really a single parent, but they have to mm -hmm. be because the their husband or wife are gone. So let's talk about that. You haven't yet. Have you experienced that yet? Well, my husband, before we came to this base, had to go away for like about six weeks or so. And that was my first time really alone with my son for that long um, by myself. And it was not easy. That's when I had bought that bike. And I was like, all right, we're going to start biking two times a day. I'm going to get you worn out. So you sleep good at night <laughs> because sleep has always been an issue with our son and getting him to a good point of sleep. So I also had some in North, because we were in North Carolina, I had some family come in during some of those times for a couple days at a time to be with me and my son and things like that. So that really helped. But that's not a luxury that military spouses always have, being close to family and support. Um, the biggest thing, I think, when you're solo parenting by yourself, which has been me for the last couple of days this week, um, my husband's working some pretty long hours lately, um, just really that time management is key. Just knowing like, what is my threshold? What can I handle today? What needs to happen today? What can be put off till tomorrow? Just kind of managing all those tasks and, and saying, when can I um, set up time for myself? When can I set some time for my child or children to take them out to do something they want to do? Um, I think that balance is key when you're solo parenting and making sure that you coordinate that way you have that balance and you don't go through burnout so quickly. And I think you have to set your priorities too. Like maybe your house is not going to be the most spick and span clean house while your, your spouse is gone. You know, if it's picked up, if you at least get the laundry done and the baby fed, you're doing good. Are you at least being able to take a shower? You're doing good. Am I correct? Yes. 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 And it's figuring out every day. Those priorities can be different today. This is what needs to happen tomorrow. This is what needs to happen. One thing that I do with my son every day, we get outside two, three times a day, but I try to take him out somewhere again because I want him to learn through experience. So we do a lot of outdoor activities and I'd either take him. I said, I spend a lot of time on playgrounds. I'll take him to a playground. We'll go to the museum, just different things like that because they're experiences for him. It gets him out of the house. I think children are a lot like us and they feel very like what's the word they feel trapped in their homes sometimes too and they want to get out and do something else and i think that gives all of us a refresh and kind of a reset when we just get out go somewhere for a little bit and come back being being home like during this pandemic and you know everything has has been tough on a lot of us who are used to just so many busy things going here going there doing this doing that so i think the pandemic has also made us purposefully find something to do either every day outside or every other day, actually get in the car and going somewhere. Yeah. You mentioned at the very beginning and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I was thinking about all these spouses that you talked about having your son's a rainbow baby, you mm -hmm. know, going through losses like that while you're in the military, because sometimes like if the person's deployed, you know, and you lose, you lose a baby. It's hard. So how, what services do they offer? What kind of things 
I know a lot of military spouses lean on each other during that time as well. So, yes, um, it's really a tough topic. I don't mind talking about it, but it's it's tough because I've seen a lot of my military spouse friends very recently going through a loss. And when I see other people going through what I've been through, it just tugs at my heartstrings because I know that pain all too well. Um, there aren't a lot of specific resources for military spouses um, going through pregnancy loss in the military itself. Um, outside of the military, there are a lot of different things. Um, there's a great organization that I have to like toot their horn. Um, it's a nonprofit org called Cohen Veterans Network. And Cohen Veterans Network help veterans and family members of active duty. They don't help active duty. Um, it's a mental health organization. So they offer grief counseling, which I thought was really helpful to me after pregnancy loss. And um, that is a superb resource that I think they have expanded clinics across the United States. So wherever you are based, if, if you just go check their um, homepage, you can see if they have a location near you. Um, but they offer so many great services to help you through that. And that really was essential for me. Um, as far as other ones would be a military one source and that's counseling too, but there really aren't, there really aren't any groups or any kind of support systems like there should be. That's something that I really like to advocate for because there are so many of us who have been through loss and there are a lot of families, military families who are struggling to have a baby and it's not really, it's not really seen. And it's kind of that stereotypical thing, again, where you see military spouses and military families and you automatically think they don't have any problems. They have two or three kids. Mm -hmm. But that's not the case for all of us. And there are other couples out there who maybe aren't struggling for, through infertility. They just haven't decided that having children is for them yet. And um, that's where the diversity of the military community really speaks um, and it's an area that I think is a weakness in our community right now is not providing more support and resources on those topics. Um, I am really proud to say the USO recently um, had Samantha Bush, who is a NASCAR driver's wife, um, on um, one of their virtual events for military spouses. And she talked about infertility. And it was really one of the first times that infertility has been a topic in our community like that. And I was so glad to see it. And I hope that it will continue more because there are so many people who need that. So, and plus it's gotta be hard when you're, especially if you're stationed somewhere away from your family and having to deal with the loss as well, that's gotta be really hard. Yes. And it, it's hard being away from your support systems. And it's also hard when your spouse isn't there. My spouse was not there when we got the news that, that our first baby didn't have a heartbeat. My mom was there beside of me, but my spouse was not. And when your spouse is away like that, whether they're deployed or they're training the TDY I mentioned earlier, um, there's a whole process you have to go through to get them home. Like you have, I'll tell you a little bit about it. You have to call Red Cross and Red Cross has to get all the information from you of what happened, what, what's the emergency. And then you have to call your doctor and have your doctor call Red Cross because mm -hmm. they have to verify that you're telling the truth. 
So you have to get your physician to contact them. And once they get all that information and proof of your emergency, they contact your spouse's unit commander, you give them all the information. And then they kind of go through the situation and see if your spouse can be released from their training or their deployment or whatever it is to come home. And that's kind of up to the, whatever the mission is that they're on. And it's up to each commander, I believe. But they let my husband come home and he was, we had, he was in another state. So we had to get him on a flight, buy a ticket and get him back home. But he was home within about, within about 48 hours, he was home. And, you know, I never hugged him so tight as when he came back. But that, that was a really tough time for our family. And, you know, it took us almost 22 months to ever get pregnant again. Hmm. And we did, though. And now we have this beautiful boy who is the light of our lives. And we're on the other side of grief and on the other side of, of pregnancy loss and infertility. So if there's somebody, military spouse or not, listening to this, I want to say there is hope for everyone. I became a first-time mom at the ripe age of 40. So if, if there's hope for me, there's hope for you. And, um, you know, I had a very glorious pregnancy for a 40-year-old woman. Um, didn't have many issues at all. Um, that, it was just amazing. That's all I can say is just, I don't even know. Like somebody was definitely looking out for us through that. I'm so happy you have your son, but let's go back to talk about, you have to call the Red Cross yourself. Wow. You're already grieving and then you're having to relive your story over and over and over again. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what the process is. And that's something, too, that a lot of people don't realize. There are a lot of different processes in the military. And when you're new to this life, you don't really know what those processes are. And when you're in a time of crisis, like I was, and that was my first time ever doing that. I was not taught that. Um, you know, it was really hard to um, to have to make all those serious phone calls during a time of panic and grief and and things like that. Um, we're not given a book about military life that really teaches us the things we really need to know, but we learn through the experience and we learn through other military spouses who have been there, done that. Um, we learn all of it as we're, as we're living it a lot of times. Wow. I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine, you know, going through a grieving process and having to relive. It's almost like when a woman gets raped and having to go up on the stand and talk mm -hmm. about the in front of her uh, the rapist, and I don't mm -hmm. want to equate rainbow losing a baby anything like it, but it's mm -hmm. almost like the woman having to retell the story over and over again, and all that hurt and all that mm -hmm. loss. Yes, and, and when you're in that just immediacy of the moment, you're in a lot of panic and shock, and you know the seven stages of grief that. Um, shock and disbelief you're still like is this really happening did this really happen to me and then you know you get the waves of the of the grief and everything that that strike at different times after pregnancy loss so how did you and your husband navigate that together how did you with the, with the adding the military in as well because did he have to go immediately back or was he allowed to stay with you um he was allowed to stay with me for a few days and um Someone in that unit where he was working, I think they had been through a pregnancy loss with their wife. And they, so they were really compassionate to him. 
about the situation. So we couldn't have asked for, for more compassion. And then um, the chaplain in my husband's unit at the time is the one who married us. And he's also the one that we contacted after our pregnancy loss and just for guidance. And then we also asked, you know, if he could do like a little memorial for our baby, just to give us some closure and things like that. And it was really helpful when he did that. And so I think there's another resource within the military community that doesn't always get utilized is mm -hmm. the chaplain within the unit. That's, they're there for families and they're there for those situations as well that are really tough. Now, we talked about all the things that the military life when you have to handle things on your own. But tell us about some because I don't want to dwell on all the negative things. But tell oh, us about yeah. some of the good things so, so we can end on a good note. Well, I think, you know, this life, again, it, it helps us as we learn and as we're living these different situations. We develop strength that we never knew we had. Again, that's why I, I want to encourage military spouses to develop their strengths so that when they are dealt some of these cards, they have ways of positively um, handling the stress and things like that. Some of the beauty of this life is the people that you meet along the way. Um, you know, there are some fabulous people that I met at Fort Bragg during our time there. And I haven't been here that long, but I've met a couple people here who've been really nice and um, really helpful in different ways. But I think this life also um, helps you build um, a lot of advocacy for different things that are important to you. Um, when we join this life, uh, whatever our background is and our professions and things like that, we bring those experiences to the table and that's part of that diversity of the military community. And a lot of us, as we look around at what the needs of our community are, we'll see where it's lacking. And being a military spouse helps you become an advocate for those things that they're important to you and how you want to impact your community to make it better. Um, I've seen so many military spouses doing some beautiful things and beautiful advocacy work uh, in many different areas. And, and I think that's something that we can thank this life for because it, it just empowers us to dig within ourselves and be, be something better than we were before. Um, again, you can allow this life to make you a mess or you can allow this life to make you stronger <clears throat> more resilient. And again, being a person, <clears throat> excuse me, being a person who will, who will share those experiences so that you help the next one coming in behind you, who might be um, going through that same thing. I think that authenticity is what we need, not just in military life, but in all of life. We need to see that people are human that people are human, that life is beautiful and life has great times and life has tough times too. But knowing that we are, are real people, we're not super women, even in the military life, we have our days. But I think the beauty of, of this life is, is who it creates us to be that we never imagined. Wow, I love that. The beauty of this life is it creates us to be someone we'd never imagined. I, that, that is, I love that. I think that's a whole thing, the whole wrap up of military life, I think, too, as well. So is yeah. there one thing that you would tell a spouse that is our fiance or someone's in a relationship that's thinking about marrying 
like a little nugget of wisdom of somebody marrying into the military life, what you would tell them instead of run? Because I know a lot of people are like, run, you put no. I'm going to say embrace it because it is definitely a journey. Um, embrace it and always have something going for yourself. Don't lose your own identity in your spouse. Yes, we have to follow them around and support their careers, but we also need to have things for ourselves. I believe that helps us to also be stronger when they are absent, um, that we have our own interest and our own things that we are um, pursuing. So I would tell somebody marrying into the military, those things like don't lose you. You are beautiful. You will morph and change in this life, but in a good way, just make sure that you're still taking care of you, self-care and make sure that you're pursuing what your interests are. Wow, I love that. So, Wendy, where can people find you at? Sure. You can find me. Um, my blog is online at strengthforspouses.blog. You can also find me on Instagram where you're going to get a nice little peek in my life um, here in Oklahoma. That is um, at strength, the number four in spouses on Instagram. And it's um, the same on Facebook is strength force the number four and spouses and then i'm um, a little presence on twitter as well and that one's strength the number four and s and s because twitter only allows so much of a, a name <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> well wendy i want to thank you for coming on and sharing about military life because honestly i think that gives a lot of people a glimpse into what you guys actually go through and it's not as glamorous as most people think it is it's not like they portray on TV, but it does have its great points um, to it. You just have to make sure you're focusing on those and not forgetting the big picture. Yeah. And I wish you all the best with your beautiful baby boy and your and your baby girl beagle. i got to say baby girl beagle because I'm big about the dogs. So. I know you are. <laughs> Thank you. So, guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye, guys. Bye. Wow, y'all, I really enjoyed chatting with Wendy. Um, she gave me the biggest compliment after we get off the air. She was like, it sounds like, she said, you were so easy to talk to and it was so comfortable talking to you that I wasn't nervous at all. And I, that's what I want these chats to be all about. I want them to be about being comfortable, having conversations like you would with a friend over a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. And so I really want to thank Wendy for coming on. I really had a great time chatting with her and she's going to be another one that I invite back on uh, because I think we only got into some of the, the smaller issues that military people go to go into um, and deal with in their day-to-day -day life. So I really hope you enjoy this. If there is ever a topic that you want me to chat with you, chat with someone about, or you want to know more about, please drop me an email, drop me a comment, um, subscribe, um, let me know how we're doing. Because I want this to be as much value as I am, um, as it is for me, as it is for you. I am a woman of very married interest. I enjoy a lot of things. I enjoy talking to people. I didn't used to be like this. So I'm an introvert, extrovert kind of thing. But this has really opened up a whole new facet for me. So I want to thank you so much for listening. Um, like I said, please like, leave a rating and review. And let me know how I'm doing. If you hop over to YouTube and you happen to watch one of these on, on YouTube channel, please 
hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up button, leave a comment as well. I check the YouTube constantly, so there's always going to be a comment coming on. Um, so I thank you so much, and I hope you guys have a blessed day, and remember, keep chatting.